Tom Lee of Fundstrat says Bitcoin must hit $150,000 before ETFs can work. And if that happens, millennials may be set to be the wealthiest generation yet. That is, if massive debt doesn't get them first. Today, we'll take a look at the percent of world debt by country, and we'll examine how the Federal Reserve, or any central bank for that matter, prints money by adding credit to banks' deposits, lowering the Fed funds rate target, and using large-scale open market operations. Toss in a few of this week's big stories, and you've got the next 45 minutes of your life all deliciously planned out. All you need now is a beverage to pair with this episode. May we suggest a jug of moonshine? or perhaps a case of Mountain Dew, perhaps both. It's our Bad News, episode number 337 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, two, ignition. Who's bad? And from remote regions on the other side of the big pond known as the Atlantic Ocean, this is Joel Com, And this is Travis Wright. What is up? This is the Bad Crypto Podcast. And hey, let's not do this Mountain Dew thing. Let's stay away from those sugary drinks, Mr. Joel Com. But the moonshine's okay? Moonshine's great, dude. That's like totally ketogenic. You can drink as much moonshine as you like. Well, I think the more of that they have to listen to the show, the more equipped they will be to understand what we're saying. That's true. And what's kind of funny is, is that you are in France and I am in Iceland. We're only one hour away, just like normal. We're like normal. I am in France. <laughs> yeah, only it's backwards because I'm an hour ahead of that's you. That's true. That's true. But we're all, an hour all, difference, though. All things, all things relative. I am in Francey France. Yes, I'm actually uh, in wine country right now. Although there's no, you know, vineyards growing at this time of year. It's cold. And uh, and it's been rainy, but you landed where you are, and you said, "I'm in Assland." It was cold ass <laughs> weather. It was very cold. Speaking of ass, I, I, are you just wearing a robe there? Are you in France wearing no pants? I I am no pants France. <laughs> so just so you guys know, during this episode, Mister Joe Com is pantsless. I am. Um, I'm wearing my evening. You got shorts. your evening shorts on. Good thing. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. I don't know. I don't know that we can. I'm really glad you didn't make the transition to speaking of ass, our sponsor. <laughs> speaking of ass, Mr. Joe Com is sitting without pants on. Yes. So off the topic of ass, um, something complete opposite of that is our sponsor, eToro. And if you want to rock and roll in the crypto markets, you got to have the best trading app. You got to have one that rock and rolls. And that's why eToro is our favorite way to trade. This app is pretty darn unique. It gives you access to the world's top cryptos. It provides smart trading tools. It's easy to use and it's lightning fast. The trading fees are low, low, low and very transparent and if you want to try trading out let's say you're a little nervous how do i do this trading thing they give you a hundred thousand dollar virtual trading feature lets you kick the tires test the markets like double your your cryptos in virtual money and you'll have no more than you started with but you will have learned something and if you lose your virtual trading you know money then guess what you don't you haven't really lost either you've just learned so you connect with 11 million other eToro traders around the world because it is a social network and you can get $25 in free bitcoin from Mr. Travis Wright and myself if you follow the simple easy instructions at badco.in/eToro that's badco 
in forward slash e yeah and as you all know mr joel com and i have a a little friendly uh thing going on on etoro a little competition so we started out with 1500 bucks and currently i am at 1497 dollars and 88 cents where are you at right now and cur- currently i am at i don't know because my phone's over in the other part of the room and i'm not looking at it you caught me off guard but I'm betting it's right around there. I as bet well. it's left than me Be- because you know, because you're better, because you're because you're an hour behind me in Iceland. Yeah, in Iceland, it's good. By the way, we're going to get somebody from Iceland now that's going to take exception to that. That's okay. Yeah. Take a joke. Yeah, it's Iceland. all good. We love you, Iceland. You're, you're and beautiful. actually, the joke was just for Mr. Joel Com. You were Mr. Joel Com was the one who decided to share it with the world. So it's on you. I thought it was funny. I thought it was super that's funny. Good. So, all right, let's get to the news. And typically right now, this is where we would tell you the state of the market from CoinGecko.com. But transparently, because we're traveling right now, we're actually recording several episodes at once. And it is timestamp Monday in France, 11.06 a.m. So in some parts of the world, it's, you know, the middle of the night still. And we kind of thought, you know, given the market cap right now when you're not going to hear this for more than three days could be you know ludicrous right because the markets could go any old way i think bitcoin's still hovering somewhere around 8500 right now that's all you need to know that's true and if you need to know exactly what it is you probably have an app on your phone and you can literally look and see exactly what it is right now this minute or just go to coingecko.com and check it out i mean do you even need us let's face it yeah but, I mean, we're we're more of a luxury than a necessity. <laughs> yeah, we we are not we we are not a necessity. But there is some interesting news out there that I think is more relevant to the um, the current time that we're in. This article in the San Francisco Chronicle, Tom Lee of Fundstrat, is making the case that Bitcoin is going to hit one hundred fifty thousand dollars before ETFs work properly. That's fancy. It's because of the the, the the demand yeah, for an ETF. So he thinks that when the price is like 15x from where it is right now, that's when there's going to be enough demand for an ETF to function as it was intended to. Yeah, and he says that the SEC needs to punt the ETF until crypto becomes bigger. But demand for an ETF is monstrous. And he, he also seems to think this Tom Lee guy, not Tommy Lee, not Tommy Lee Jones, not Tommy Lee the drummer, Tom Lee, who is the uh, uh, global advisor for Fundstrat, and uh, yeah, thinks that. Uh, oh, the SEC, I thought it was the same guy. You uh, thought it was uh, the SEC was doing a great job, but um, there's an obstacles there. I'm, I'm ready for the SEC to get out of the way and let crypto do its thing, because I think that just the SEC looming over things has scared scared a lot of projects away right i mean i think one of the biggest ones is once the sec started looking into dragon chain dragon chain just went and that one hurts that one hurts my feelings in my heart place yeah (laughs) in your heart place i thought for sure that was the same tommy lee that 
played for Motley Crue. I yeah. thought he, you know, he'd moved he moved on. About, he cut his he hair. He's about crypto now. Yeah. He's all he's all down with the cryptos. Mm-hmm. Well, you never know. I mean, Kanye West is is preaching the gospel on Sunday mornings now, so anything can happen. You know what? That has been amazing to actually watch. Like him going, he, he's doing some things that like Johnny Cash would do, like going into prisons and going into the, going into right. jails and doing live concerts and stuff. Like who's done that? Like recently? Like I don't even know if anybody's done that. But the response, I mean, this is totally aside, not crypto related at all. But it was just so fascinating seeing like these these people who were in jail and just like crying, like and and giving their giving their life to to christ and stuff it's been wild to watch it it's been yeah completely like different culture type of thing right like you don't that's not pop culture typically and that's just cool to see i think so as well but it is a different tom lee i don't i don't think uh tom lee of fun Street, i don't think i don't know if his friends call him tommy and i don't know if he plays drums okay. yeah that's cool but um you know people who know him say he rocks that's good that's good so maybe we'll get him on the show one of these days don't know I mean, we've got we're gonna have Bobby Lee on soon. We've had Charlie Lee. I mean, we need the trifecta of Lees. Mm-hmm. If we can get Tom Lee on, then we'll have all the Lees. Maybe the guy who invented Lee Jeans could come too. <laughs> so there's a little bit of a theme to this show that's it's it's newsworthy stuff, but there's also this notion of what the future of money looks like. And our producer Erin found this article. Actually, she found all the articles. She's a great article finder. This is on uh, from Substack.com, and it talks about how millennials will become the wealthiest generation in the next few decades, right? Which which makes sense. Um, but they're saying that banks should be worried about this, about this great wealth transfer that's going to take place because so much of it is dependent upon the future of Bitcoin and cryptos. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not only that. It's like, you know, think about it like this. And this article goes on to talk about how the how the boomers, you know, they had, a, a, you know, an amazing, long sort of record prosperity, right, for wealth accumulation. And they're going to pass on $68 trillion to their children, which is the largest. Okay, boomer. Yeah. Largest wealth transfer ever and that's going to go to some generation x it's going to go to some millennials and then also it'll go to some of the post millennials i I just want to let my kids know in advance i'm a last year boomer and i will not be passing on 68 trillion dollars to them that's (laughs) go get your hopes up kids dad is not that wealthy Yeah, it's pretty interesting, though, to uh, to see that disposable income for millennials is predicted to grow over seven trillion dollars within the next decade. And according to this piece, by 2030, they will hold five times as much wealth as they currently do. Uh, This the chart shows that 2029 is the crossover period where uh, Gen X won't have as much as the millennial generation will. That's just 11 years from now. And that's just what this, art- and that's just what this article says. And so, yeah, it, it's interesting to think about. It's maybe it's, it's, it's quite possible. We'll see, right? I mean, I don't know. A, a lot of millennials, and let's just be quite frank, a lot of millennials have had a whole lot of privilege and not a whole lot of challenges in, in their life. You think about the silent generation and the baby boomers. The silent generation—they're about—they're si- about completely silent because they're mostly dead now. The silent generation was born 1928 to 1945, so they're getting really old. 
And, you know, think of the strife and the craziness that they, those folks had to go through, you know, with the Great Depression, World War II, the Korean War, all these other things that's happened. Like, you know, even Gen X, like, you know, I'm Gen X. There's not been a whole lot of too many challenges. Like, I joined the military because of the Gulf War, and I wanted to help, you know, I was indoctrinated in America, you know, you know, let's go, let's go, let's go, uh, let's go help this out. But I was young. And uh, it's just interesting to sort of see that there's not been a whole lot of challenges. Now, this is to assume that things are going on the path that they're going on and the economies don't crash and other things don't happen. So in a rosy, sort of sunshiny, cloudless future, right, this is what this might look like. But who knows what's really going to happen if economies go. Right. I think a lot of wealth is going to be lost when we inevitably have the big blow up, right? And, you know, economists have been warning for years and there's been, you know, the doom and gloomers that our market's going to crash. It is at 28,000 right now. The Dow Jones hit another all-time high and that's really good news. But at the same time, you got, you would have those that would make the case that the books are being cooked, right? For a lot of these companies and the valuation is way too high and uh, of course, it's easier in hindsight to determine if that's true or not. But, you know, with the Fed pumping as much money as they are into the economy right now, it seems like this is very artificial. Mm-hmm. We shall see. Up next, we have a really interesting infographic that uh, this shows the world of debt and how much government debt exists. Now, that's one of the things that, you know, that really sort of ties this all together and shows like what percentage of world debt by country. And wow, the United States share of global debt, 30, 31%, which is the largest. But we can do that because we have the global reserve currency with the dollar. And so people have to buy the dollar before they can buy oil currently. Now, if that goes away, that global debt is going to be very, very painful. Japan has 17% of the debt. China, 9.8% of the debt. And then it goes it goes down from there. Japan has really had a sky-high uh, debt to GDP uh, here recently because they don't – I mean, that's a very small country, relatively speaking, but that's a huge amount of debt to GDP they got. I wonder how much of our debt is based on our aid to foreign nations. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, if you were to take away the debt uh, for, you know, what the support that we give to other nations around the world, what percentage would it drop to? Right. And also, what about this? I mean, we lead the world with twenty one trillion dollars in government debt. What if we hadn't spent 10 to 12 trillion dollars in Middle Eastern wars over the last 15 years <laughs> or whatever? You know what I mean? Like we just we spent so much money on that war. But then you think about it, that actually. A lot of that money ended up going to government contractors, so it's still, how do they view that? Here it is, huge debt, but then we pay Halliburton and, and you know, Northrop Grumman and all these other big companies to, to do what they do in the Middle East, you know, to kind of repair and build, rebuild infrastructure and stuff. So then it comes back in as GDP as well. So it's kind of weird. It is like a weird cooking of the books. How can Russia only have 0.3%? of the debt. I mean, is I think that Russia is just so not a threat anymore, right? 
I, I think the news media puts out there that Russia, 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 but China is the one that we need to be watching out for. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, look at that. Even Australia has point eight percent, which is way more than Russia. Russia is a huge. Well, Russia's huge geographically, right? But there's not as many people in in Russia. I mean, I think Russia has maybe a third of the amount of people that America has, and really that goes back to. To communism, because without communism, they wiped out 40 million, 50 million people, plus World War II killed like, uh, I don't know, 20, 30 million, 40 million Russians, you know, in the Soviet Union. So it's like they are recovering still from those wars. I mean, they, they've wiped out, like, if you think about that with communism plus World War II, that's probably 80 million people that have been killed. And right now their current population is what, 90 million? So, like, they would have a whole bunch more people if we hadn't had those crazy wars. And, and then with, with the Soviet Union collapse and their economy doing stuff. So I think that they, it seems like they try to stay more within their means and not try to borrow too much money uh, because then those other countries have more leverage over you if you owe them debt. Like the United States has this global debt and China holds a lot of our debt. So we're beholden to China and then China leverages that debt and then comes over and buys property in America, right? They buy like even seaports and other things. And there's there's been things in America since we have so much debt where they've they've come over and they've bought they bought the highway some certain highway systems with the toll roads. And we're going to start seeing more and more tolls in different states because those toll roads are owned by other countries. And it's weird. Like we're we're slowly selling out America because of all this debt. That's this 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 graphic right here, you got to go to the show notes and take a look at it, or you can go check it out at visualcapitalist.com. But $69 trillion of the world's debt in one infographic is really crazy to see. We'd rather you go to the show notes and see it, though, because we're the ones who told you about it. So come visit our site, badco.in forward slash 337. And if you don't go for the infographic, you're going to want to go to look at this article from Bitcoin.com. It's called Generation QE, How Central Banks Create Money from Thin Air. Now, you know, a lot of people see when we talk about the Fed printing money as though they're turning on the printing presses, right? And, and $100 bills are just flying off. And, and we're not the only ones, right? The, the Bank of Japan does it. The uh, the European Central Bank's done it this year. The People's Bank of China. They all do this, what they call monetary easing policy. But they're not actually firing up the printing presses and, you know, throwing hundreds out into the money supply. It's all done electronically. And I'm learning from from reading this, and it's uh, it's pretty detailed here. But essentially, it says it uses a system of credit with the smaller financial institutions, because when inflation makes purchasing power weaker, more funds are needed, and the available supply of money drops lower. So the Fed is in charge of managing the nation's liquidity when the network of smaller banks below it claim that reserves are running low. And this is where they digitally create these new funds into the banking industry. It's not like they shoot out all this money to the public. Right. I'm not getting they're not quantitatively easing any money into my pockets. It's going into the banking system. And this is why, you know, in 2008, um, we saw the big bank bailouts take place. Mm. Well, yeah, it's not only that is that, you know, a lot of times these banks can become short on liquidity 
We really need to borrow money from the Fed because they have no money. They have no liquidity, which means they can't loan money out. There's, they can't, you know, do mortgages. They can't, you know, credit card debt. There's there's certain things that 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 these banks can't do. Yeah. So when they do this thing called quantitative easing, as you mentioned, they just basically, well, it's called turning on the printing press. It's like printing money. And it is. But I mean, a lot of the U.S. dollar is digital. Like it's only like 1% of money is even printed out. Right. And so that's kind of a problem in, in itself. And if they do want to print out a hundred dollar bill, it only costs them six cents to print out a hundred dollar bill. And, and, and then we're still, how, how are we still trillions of dollars in debt when we can print all this money out? It's crazy. Well, there's a book that economist Murray Rothbard wrote called The Case Against the Fed. And he talks about how banks are printing money out of thin air. And there's a, there's a real good example here in this article that I think brings it home. And I'm just going to read it. Suppose the central bank buys an asset from a bank. For example, the central bank buys a building owned by the Jonesville Bank for a million dollars. The building appraised at a million dollars is transferred from the asset column of the Jonesville Bank to the asset column of the central bank. How does the central bank pay for the building? Simple, by writing out a check on itself for a million dollars. Well, where did they get the money to write out the check? They create the money out of thin air by creating a fake warehouse receipt for a million dollars in cash, which it does not possess. The Jonesville Bank deposits the check at the central bank, and the Jonesville Bank's deposit account at the central bank goes up by a million dollars. But the Jonesville Bank's total reserve have increased by a million, upon which and it and other banks will be able in a short period of time to multiply their own warehouse receipts to non-existent reserves many-fold, and thereby to increase the money supply of the country many-fold. It's not there. It's mm -hmm. air. Mm -hmm. it's, 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 uh, it's not. It's so fake. Well, it's not only that, that it's fake, because it is, and just how you mentioned it, that, that reserve thing or that, you know, you deposit a million dollars. Well, now I have a million dollars and now I can loan that out nine times. That's crazy. Now, say you get a credit card, this credit card, this money never existed until you used the credit card. Then you scan the credit card. Well, now you have that money and now you owe plus interest money that didn't exist. And now you pay interest on money that didn't exist. This whole interest thing did not exist in the current format until they created the Federal Reserve Bank in 1913, when they created the IRS system in the exact same year. How they go, oh, well, you know, people now, we go, oh, yeah, taxes, we've always had taxes. Yeah. But before they were tariffs, right? We would, we would you know, we would do inter-country inter changing or trading in this, and tariffs were the main source of, of revenue for the government. Now the government has gotten so big, so huge, ridiculously big, and the amount of money, $21 trillion in debt. And how is that even possible when the major, when, when you know the, the American public pays X amount of dollars in each year? So it's like, not only is it just a huge, huge mismanagement of money, it's just a, 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 a crazy system that doesn't really work. It does not, and uh, it's worth going to read this article again, badco.in forward slash 337. The show notes have link to this and all of the content that we're sharing with you today. And I want to give a shout out to MobyPay for tweeting this uh, article out. That's how our producer found the piece, and just so happens that we dig MobyPay. So thanks for, for that, Brandon. All right, let's move along, Mr. Travis Wright. 
We have other news from the business world in terms of blockchain growth. And in this case, the Consensus CSO launches an investment firm for blockchain, AI, and healthcare tech. This uh, Consensus founder, Joe Lubin, says that Aligned Capital is looking for $50 million to support revolutionary technologies because you say you want a revolution. You know, there's a lot of really interesting emerging technologies that are popping up. And, you know, there's a lot of funds out there that are doing that. And they have this thing, the Trans Tech Conference, where they talk about a lot of different things, blockchain included, crypto, artificial intelligence, innovative healthcare, other type of things. Emerging Is that a gender conference? It's a trans? Yeah, well, it used to, it used to be a different con- conference, but then it decided to change. But um, <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that. I just know that it's an emerging technology thing, and they talk a lot about societal transformations. It's more about transform transforming society, and you know, yeah, a lot of these technologies. We're gonna this next ten years. I was talking to my son about this. It's like, man, so. I was talking to my son. I was like, dude, 3030 is going to, or 2030 is going to look a lot different than 2020. And, you know, there's going to be so much stuff that's going on, you know, with CRISPR and just people being able to genetically modify themselves. And then all these biohacking stuff that's going on and the monetary stuff that's going on. I mean, you know, as long as we're able to keep cruising on on the path that we're on and we, it doesn't get disrupted too much. I mean, I do think the monetary uh, a lot of the monetary stuff is going to totally change uh, by 2030, 10 years from now. I mean, there's going to most most central banks are going to have most countries are going to have their own crypto digital asset of some sort. I mean, it's just crazy. You're a futurist, Mr. Joel Com, but what do you think the next 10 years is going to hold? Well, we know that, you know, the the abilities of technology and the speed of computing doubles right? Every two years. Mm -hmm. And so it's mind blowing to be holding a a new iPhone and think, all right, this is as bad as it gets because it's going to get faster, better, smaller, more efficient. And there are those who say um, that we won't be carrying phones in 10 years. You know, we'll have a little device that we'll carry in our pocket or something, or we'll have, you know, these glasses that are augmented reality and all of your, everything's tied in to that. It's, it's mind blowing how quickly it's moving. That's, that's not too far away. I mean, that, that's one reason why I wanted to get LASIK because I figured that eventually there's going to be some badass set of AR glasses that you're, because think about this, we're looking at our phone Look at what we do. Our head, our chin drops down. We're all like looking at our phone. Like we don't, that's horrible for our neck. It's horrible for our posture when you get that tech neck. And so, you know, I think when we get an AR devices, where we're able to sort of look up and move things around without actually bending down and hunched over. Like our posture collectively is horrible in the year 2020. He said, as I'm hunched over my laptop right now, recording this show, it's like, oh, I want to, I'm going to sit up straight right now, Miss Travis, right? You're encouraging me to, by the way, I have been enjoying the crud out of my standing desk. I got uh, from autonomous AI. Um, They sent me a desk to try out and I'm keeping it. And I love it. In fact, whenever I'm at home in Denver and we're recording, I'm standing now. Mm -hmm. You're like a stand up comedian. I'm I'm no funnier than I am sitting down. That's true. You're not much funnier. Although I am doing uh, a stand-up routine in Denver, December 8th. That's exciting. 
I don't know if it is or not. I just know that I stepped in. I am working on it slowly. If you think of something funny, he's got to jot it down and then see does it tie in anything else. Now, one thing we were talking about the other day was pretty funny. I don't know if you wrote it down or not. I don't even remember what it was. I did. Okay. I did. It it was about my the one and only time that I went to Four (laughs) Chan. I got an iPhone or something. I'm not going to talk about it here, but ah, yeah, uh, that's hilarious because people know that. Yeah, stay away from Four Chan, (laughs) gang. If you don't want images burned into your psyche that will scar you Uh, forever. Uh, pretty amazing. So let's move on to the next story here. Our friends at Singularity Net have announced PayPal integration with uh, for the purchase of their platform's AGI tokens. This mm-hmm. was announced at Block Show Asia 2019 by Ben Gertzel. Ben is the chief scientist and CEO. These are the guys that created the uh, Sophia robot. Right, the the artificial intelligence robot that goes on tour, and Ben is the first person that she's going to uh, take revenge on because mm-hmm. that's how it always goes in the movies. He's the first one to go. Yeah, well, there's another thing that actually popped out here recently that I think is that that I think that PayPal did that maybe even bigger for crypto, and PayPal What's up? pulled out of Pornhub. It's <laughs> what, what a great out. headline yeah, they right, out there. right there. And, yeah, well, go ahead and talk about that. Well, because it's interesting. It's an article on Vice, and you know, PayPal says not we're not going to work with Pornhub anymore. Now, there are I don't even know. According to this article, hundreds of thousands of performers are are devastated by this because they, they are going to stop payouts to models on the platform. And you know what? There's a lot of there's a lot a lot of ladies out there doing their thing. A lot of couples out there doing their thing and getting paid monetizing uh, their videos. And PayPal says, nope, no longer going to do that. Well, to me, that just seems like it just opens up the door for crypto. I mean, I'm still stuck on performers, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) The word that's the word we're using now in in 2019 for porn stars, performers. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of these are not porn stars. They are like independent sort of cam models or whatever, right? Doing their own thing or even amateurs that are they'll. They're recording themselves doing the do, doing the business, and then uploading it to Pornhub, and then people they're able to monetize their videos. Which, if that's their thing and that's how they get off, more power to them. But the thing to me is that they used to use PayPal to get paid for the work, but now PayPal shut it off, and so they need to switch to a new payment method. That tells me that's probably crypto, right? Like, is uh, was it? Isn't it Verge that they were dealing with? Originally, I think I think that was what it was there, but you know now I, I mean I think that's um, let me read this here list of payment platforms and apps and banks that forbid sexual services in their terms of use very long includes Venmo to Visa and now they are uh, you know now PayPal but that's interesting to me because here's the thing like there's been such a deal. In, in the world over the last two, three years, you know, my body, my choice, I can do what I want um, with my body and more power to you. But why is it, why is it that you can't have sex and get paid, but you can, you know, do all this other stuff? It just seems weird to me that, that, that it's like there's the patriarchy still has control over women's body and says, no, you can't get paid to do this. It just seems like we're in 2020 now and it just, 
it just it's just not congruent with the rest of, with the way the west rest of society is sort of evolving it's like the oldest profession in the history of the world like you can't get you can't mr get, travis Wright, are you making the case for legalizing prostitution I is think, that what's happening right now to me that it should be like, i think you should hold a sign like you should go on the highways and just hold a sign and well, my body my, my body my choice apparently that's not the case it's not your body your choice that's all i'm saying is if that is it if you can kill if you can say hey there's a baby growing in me i don't want it i'm gonna get rid of it and you can do, get rid of that baby that's growing in you but you can't suck a dick for a dollar like <laughs> to me that's there's, it's, there's no coherence in that okay my i body, know my where you're <laughs> I want to know where you're getting it done for a dollar. Well, that's, you know, that's just that's just it for dollars. Period. You know, I don't know. It's just weird to me. It seems to me that my body, my choice is not all encompassing. It's only encompassing in certain areas. And I don't think women have the freedom to do what they want if they decide to do that. And I think there's so much sex trafficking because they're being forced to do it outside of their will. Like they're getting kidnapped, or they're doing it's all black market. Like. I've seen how it works in Amsterdam, and it's, you know what, they test them once a month, or they're in a little safe place, if they decide you want to do it, everybody has sexual urges, but apparently the only place really you can do it legally is Amsterdam or in Las Vegas, but uh, it just seems weird to me, it's just not congruent with the way society is evolving, but then again, I have the other side of the thing is, it seems to me that if prostitution was legal, marriage rates would plummet. Because you'd be like, why do I want to get married? Like, I can just go and spend right. $200 and, and down maybe, the street. You know, maybe not the, the puritanical approach to it, but looking for the greater good of a society. Mm-hmm. You know, is there is there a reason? So, you know, it at least... eliminates rape. You know, I think there's a whole lot of things that if you have a controlled environment where it's safe and not shady, like, they've been doing it in, in Amsterdam for what, how long? And I'm not a proponent of prostitution. I'm a long just time. I'm just devil's advocate going, well, my body, my choice. Then shouldn't you be able to have that choice? Because if not, you go Mr. to prison. Travis Wright is like, I'm not a proponent, but I am a customer. <laughs> not a customer. I'm just saying that if you can do some of those things, you should be able to get paid to suck a dick if you want. Well, in case you guys were wondering if there was going to be controversy in this show, I think Boom. We Boom. just uh, we just dropped it on you right there. And uh, I am not I, I am not giving the ring endorsement because I think for uh, this is this is one of the struggles with, you know, leaning libertarian actually is right. Because, hey, who is anybody to tell me what I can do? Mm-hmm. Right. But none of us are, live in a vacuum. We live in a society with other people and that society needs to function. And when we look at what is best for the greater good, I, I really don't know. There's a lot of tension. It's really weird. There. Like you can get paid to have sex as long as you video record it. <laughs> right. Because the pornography industry like that's sort of prostitution kind of right it's just it's just weird to me because i like to look i like to look at things from with kind of a you know look at it go, really is this what and it just doesn't make sense to me now in 2020 it's still a patriarchy type of thing and if it was controlled and monitored i think probably there would be you know less you know because there's, there's there's so many problems that women have so many problems like dudes out there cat calling them and doing all this stuff and women feel unsafe and there's some women well, out there. Dead, deadbeat dads. I mean, that's the biggest problem is is family breakdown. I read somewhere recently that 28 
of the last 29 school shooters were from fatherless homes. Mm. Yeah, that's a huge problem. Huge so there, problem. There's, there's and, a majority right, of them, and a majority of them were on some sort of depressing medica- medication of some sort, psychotic medication, which is crazy. Yeah. We went Shall we steer this, this show back to crypto, Mr. Travis Wright? Hey, well, there you go. So PayPal. Uh, we, <laughs> we have a new acronym to deal with. It's CBDC. Uh, that stands for Central Bank Digital Currency. And according to a report from IBM, they say that central bank digital currencies could be ready for consumers' use within the next five years. In fact, they see a big future for CBDCs amongst uh, the banking community as the use of cash continues to decline. Mm. I, I always carry a little cash, but it's very rare that I actually pull, you know, a 20 out to use somewhere. Uh, it's almost always a credit card. Mm-hmm. You know what? I've had a $20 bill in my wallet for I don't know how long. And it's sort of the same thing because it's like, if you pull you pull it out and you're like, all right, and now now I have a now I have thirteen dollars, but they didn't have a ten, so now I have two fives and three ones, and now I've got a pocket full of change, right? It's just it's just not clean. And I have like a very minimalist wallet, so it's like I don't you know, it's like I don't have extra space for too many bills. So uh, you know what? CBDCs, that's gonna be a new term, I guess. Central bank digital currencies. That's what we're calling sovereign country and sovereign uh, well, just not Saunders so Central Bank currencies. We need we need more acronyms, and that's one way to go about it. The uh, report that um, that IBM had conducted here says that the use of cash continues to, cl- to decline, especially in developing countries. In contrast, the use of private decentralized cryptocurrencies continues to rise. Read the writing on the wall; it's pretty much out there for everybody to see. Mm. Meanwhile, the central banks aren't the only ones that want to have control of the money supply. This article on Wired says that every tech company wants to be a bank. Uh, Apple, Google, Amazon, Facebook, and Uber are all eyeing financial services as the next frontier. And, you know, we know for a fact that Facebook is because they're trying to, you know, put it out there with Libra. And uh, there's a lot of resistance to it. We still don't know if it's ever going to see the light of day or if it does, if, you know, people will adopt it. Because why wouldn't we trust the company that shares our data and sells our data willingly with our money? You know, I remember this back in the early 2000s. Walmart tried to start a bank. And, you know, there's some other people that were trying to do that as well. And I mean, a lot of people use Walmart as a bank. Like if you go into a Walmart, which I try to do very rarely, if you walk into a Walmart, especially like on a Friday, there's like a long line of people in there cashing their check at Walmart. And then Walmart's taking a big percent of that check, right? They're taking, I don't even know, three to 5% or whatever the number is on the, on the thing. And then they have the money grams and all the other stuff. So it's like, there's so many different Walmarts. So, but Walmart says we're not going to go down that path again. We have, you know, partners to roll out new products, and they work with, you know, MoneyGram and I think probably Western Union and some of these other ones. But I mean, it makes a whole lot of sense, right? I mean, if you are in Uber, which is which is why MobiPay makes a whole lot of sense to me, quite frankly, because it's like there's 
those that crypto is sort of built into some of these apps and like ride sharing apps that the, the partnership that Moby has and some of the other stuff is that, you know, that is, it seems to me that it, it's connected. It's an ecosystem. And then Apple saying out of one side, no, we don't want to create a currency, but they do want to be a bank. And so they're going to stay within the, the bank model with their big credit card thing that they have. And uh, Facebook says they're, they're pausing Libra or they're just not pushing forward as much. Now they're doing Facebook pay. Libra is still chatting. That's its own crypto network payment deal. But then they're doing a, basically doing a Venmo now, too. So. I guess we're like, oh, well, if we can't do Libra, then I guess we'll do Facebook Pay. Right. Uh, Mr. Travis Wright, as I'm looking here on Wired, I went through a link that took me down another rabbit hole with you being in Iceland, less than two miles from the Reykjavik airport, which you're not too far from, is a mining operation. It's established by Genesis Mining in 2014. The facility is called Enigma. And apparently, this thing is creating a whole lot of noise there. They're they're mining Bitcoin in a very cool environment. Very nice. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll check them out. I'll give them a call. This, this uh, I guess today's Monday. I can actually. They they now use more electricity than all of Iceland's home com- homes combined, with electric bills at Enigma running more than a million dollars a month. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> It's like a barn. It's this barn there. I I dropped a link here in yeah, our I see uh, I see there's like four, like four barns. Right. If you drove by, you'd hear it's like the, all the little miners are in there going, ding, 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 spit out my Bitcoin. <laughs> I'm going to drive by and put some bad crypto stickers on their building. <laughs> <laughs> that would be I'm gonna awesome. Do it. I'm totally going to do it, and I'm going to take a photo. Okay. So as we talk about the tech giants wanting to get into banking, this article on CNBC com says that Google is getting into banking with the search giant set to offer checking accounts next year. There's another company that I will not do business with with my finances. Yeah, so they're working with Citigroup and they're going to launch smart checking bank accounts via Google Pay. And it says they're going to put pressure on Bitcoin developers to improve user experience and adoption or face redundancy. So Google, what well, they're coming after, coming after the cryptos with a with a project code name called Cash, C A C H E, and is expected to allow Google's analytic tools to traditional banking products. Wow! So imagine Google Analytics connected to your bank. You know, in some ways that could be cool. It's like, hey, you know, are you actually even using this subscription that you've signed up for? Because I looked on your Android phone and you've not opened up the app that you're paying for $11 right. a month for. Are you sure that you want to continue paying it? So in some ways that could be cool, but dude, we don't need Google in more of our life. We need Google in less of our life. Yeah, well, but what you say right there makes a good point. It's that type of convenience, right, mm-hmm. that make that that allow us as humans to do the trade-off. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I want my Amazon Echo because I like being able to ask, uh, and I won't say her name because I don't want to set off everybody's Mm -hmm. Alexa, Mm -hmm. (laughs) play the Bad Crypto Podcast. Um, (laughs) You know, it's a trade-off. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm willing to forego whatever privacy I forego on my devices because of convenience. Did you see the new new, uh, Alexa glasses? So they have glasses frames 
that uh, the you know it has the induction speakers built into the into the earpieces, and so all day long it's listening to everything you say. <laughs> For that one moment when you say Alexa to tell it to do something, I don't know. It's just creepy to me, dude. Who's gonna Who's gonna wear Alexa glasses? I don't know. It's so weird. You're making people's devices go crazy right now. Just so Alexa, you know. stop. <laughs> Especially if they're listening to the show on that. It's like, they're like, screw it. I'm done listening. Mm -hmm. that's, that's over. Well, if you're still listening, it's worth it because we have a funny story for you here from BeInCrypto.com. The article headline is, Craig Wright claimed he would reveal a critical bug in Bitcoin and Litecoin, then didn't. Shocker. He said, he said in a tweet that after a year's time, this was a year ago, that he would release details on an alleged unreparable flaw in both Bitcoin and Litecoin that essentially renders both coins dead on their feet. And one year later, there was uh, no reply. He did not say what it was. And so once again, Craig Wright does uh, not come through. Thanks a lot, Craig Wright. Hey, I'm going to reveal a critical bug in bad crypto. Never mind. It's it's you and me. We're the but critical we bugs. We are the bugs. <laughs> Finally, last story from our sponsor, eToro. They've got five new stable coins that they have introduced to their exchange, including the U.S. dollar coin, the U.S. dollar tether, and now they've also added Dash and the much-anticipated Gold X to Bitcoin pairing has been added. So now they have a total of 26 tradable assets on the eToro X exchange. That's different than eToro. I mean, they're all part of the same company, but eToro X is the international version, and eToro is also available in the U.S. Mm. A little confusing. Yeah. Also, we noticed that... Uh... Our, our, our boy over there, Mati Greenspan, is leaving eToro and going to work on some other ventures. So we want to make sure that we uh, wish him the best in his new life. Wasn't he going to become a performer on Pornhub or something? Is that I think right? he was, yeah. He was going no, to get... That's, that's nonsense, gang. Don't take that seriously. <laughs> He's going to get paid to have sex. <laughs> all righty then well that's gonna wrap up this episode of uh the bad news here at bad crypto we hope you guys bad, have enjoyed the show well you know that's we're we talked about there. we talked about the fiat banking system and central banks and porn and prostitution did we talk about drugs i would you like to <laughs> it's not necessary okay well uh, you probably didn't carry any with you on the plane because that, that would not be smart end up in a reykjavik prison <laughs> i'd have to come bail you I, out imagine the reykjavik prison here in iceland's probably really nice it's probably really you nice. think yeah <laughs> you like like two bedrooms you know and have like a nice little ikea desk <laughs> <laughs> well please do when you get a chance 40 internet there i could probably still do the podcast from reykjavik prison you think i don't know Looking for a new host. <laughs> the headlines for next week. Monty, Monty Greenspan. He's available. Monty. No, he's going to be a performer. Oh, he's that's right. he's that's busy. Right. That's we don't, we don't do that. We're not performers. Mm -hmm. We're also not journalists. 
and we're not financial advisors. What are we? Well, we discussed that. We're commentators. We're regular potatoes. <laughs> well, there you go, folks. Make sure you subscribe to the Commentator Podcast because we are just a couple of spuds. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Until then, stay potato. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.